Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast, connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning in to the series of interviews with public health leaders as we learn about different perspectives on current and emerging public health issues. Today, Suzanne Holly from Wichita State University talks with Captain Aisha Mix of the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps about important skills for success, the importance of seeing individuals and communities as unique, and the importance of speaking to the agreement instead of speaking to the conflict. Hi, my name is Suzanne Hawley and I'm from the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. Welcome to the Public Health Leadership Series where we get to talk about strategic public health skills but from a real public health professional from a personal perspective. So thank you for joining us today. It's very nice to meet you. I'm wondering if you can just introduce yourself and uh, say a little bit about how you came into public health. Sure, sure. So my name is Aisha Mix. I'm currently a captain in the United States Public Health Service Commission Corps. Um, most people are familiar with the other services. Um, we are one of the seven uniform services, and so what we stand to do is to protect, promote, and advance the health and safety of the nation. Um, how I got into public health, I tell you, um, I always, I've always enjoyed kind of um, working for people. Right. Um, my desire to become a nurse came from wanting to understand how people experience disease, how people experience wellness, as opposed to really learning about the disease itself, you know. Mm. Um, through my nursing training and then also through graduate school, what I realized also is that my connection was more so with the community um, and understanding, you know, what are the um, the pieces of the puzzle that make a person who they are, you know. Why did you make that decision? What is it that you brought with you as a person that made you do that, you know, whether it was that thing you were supposed to do or that thing you were not supposed to do. Um, it wasn't until later that I realized that that actually was more public health. Um, so I moved from kind of working with individuals and families to looking at communities and populations and kind of more large-scale approaches. Um, coming into the public health service was really just kind of my way of formalizing it and really being on a national and federal level to impact the decisions and the, the um, policies that were being put into place. Well, thank you for uh, explaining a little bit uh, about what the Public Health Service is. And um, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, what's <laughs> that been like for you yeah. to be in the Public Health Service? It's been fantastic. It, it really is. We call it the best of both worlds. Um, we have our kind of regular day-to-day -day jobs, if you will, uh -huh. which are truly our assignments where we're placed. Many of us are within HHS agencies. Myself, when I came into the Corps, I was originally at HRSA, which is the Health Resources and Services Administration. Um, that was a natural place for me. Um, the focus of HRSA's work is on providing access to care for underserved populations. So. Um, in that role, I then moved into policy with respect to nursing education, um, as well as health workforce. Fast forward to now, um, I've been able to work within the Office of the Secretary, um, looking at policy across HHS, and now I've actually stepped outside of HHS um, with the Department of Homeland Security, where I currently serve as a Senior Health Policy Administrator with the ICE Health Service Corps. So it's been a great opportunity to not only engage in my day-to-day, -day, but to also be a part of our international and national deployments as well. Um, 
So as I said, kind of that, that one foot in, on both sides, it's the idea that we have the day-to-day, -day, but in the event of disasters and public health emergencies, we're deployed to actually support local communities as well. So the work that you're doing right now is incredibly timely and incredibly important. So thank you for, you know, um, taking on that burden for, for the rest <laughs> of us. And I'm wondering, um, with all of these really cool kind of perspectives that you must have, what excites you most about public health right now? Um, really being the voice of people. It, truly, that, that's really the basis. Um, really, again, going back to understanding what people, who people are, you know, what makes you you. Um, recognizing that the individual and or the community are the experts in the care of themselves. So the same way that as a nurse working with individuals in a hospital setting, you're looking at that individual to assess their needs and figure out how you can actually um, improve their health based on how they see health, right? It's the same conversation with population health and public health and communities. You know, being able to um, learn that community, learn what makes it a community, and then use those facets and those aspects in order to create and strategize on how to improve health. Because again, um, it's not a matter of coming with a prescription. You're really coming with an idea that's informed by the experts, the people themselves. So I think that piece of really moving to a point where we're focused on the unique aspects of community as opposed to creating kind of a blanket approach and laying it on top of a community. So I think that for me is the most exciting piece because more at that point, um, the ability to infuse diversity, infuse culture into the work that we do, I think is the most exciting piece right now. Wow, that's great. And um, certainly with um, the things that you've been involved with, um, you can see just how public health can change so quickly and um, so much to to prepare for the 21st yeah. century. So with that in mind, I'm wondering what kind of skills do you think that um, public health professionals should know or consider in managing change, um, leading change, just kind of change management in right. general? Right. Um, I think that as an individual public health practitioner, the best gift you can give any community is self-awareness. Um, your self-awareness of not only your level of expertise, um, but who, what makes you you, you know, because it's the combination of your experiences that you can actually end up sharing. And oftentimes people struggle with this notion of, you know, I'm not an expert, what's my area of expertise? Your area of expertise is you, you know. And so I think um, self-awareness and knowing what you bring to the table and what you have to offer, um, communication skills, the ability to not only listen, but able to repeat back what you heard, and then ability to translate it for different audiences. Because I think by nature, public health brings together different stakeholders. And so to be able to translate the needs of one group to another, that takes listening, active listening, it takes understanding, and it takes an ability to communicate that to others who might speak that different language, you know, coming from different aspects of the community. Um, in addition, it's an openness, um, willingness to learn, being an a, eternal learner, because at the point that you think you know everything, it's actually the point that you know nothing, right? And so the, the ability and the expectation that you're approaching situations to learn, and then from that, um, from that education that you receive, and then implementing. So I think it's, it's back to the basics. It truly is back to the basics, because public health is a field that, you know, it, we create public health practitioners by virtue of the experiences that they bring to the collective conversation. And so once you can get back to the basics of um, 
what connects them all, I think that's really the concept of public health. So I'm just really struck by um, just the deep respect that you are communicating about the importance of the individual yes. and therefore the unique experience of a community. I mean, it, it makes me feel emotional <laughs> just hearing you because um, I think that is a very difficult skill yes. um, and, and priority to uh, a purpose to keep holding on to yes. in, in all this work. And so, you know, I, I guess um, I'm inspired by that. So thank, thank you so much. But also I want to know, I want to pick your brain. <laughs> um, what kind of partnerships do you think are important in, in making um, progress on this important work, especially in terms of issues like health equity? Sure. Um, I think it's, it's a combination. Um, everyone talks about you know, research, academia, practice, and that partnership, but it's also stepping outside the box to understand that um, not only is health in all policies, but health is in all aspects of living. And so you have to reach to the sometimes um, more unnatural partners, right? Um, understanding that even within business, you know, businesses cater to what people, right? And if mm -hmm. we're in the business of people, it's understanding the unique connections um, with respect to the business environment and getting them to understand the same philosophy um, that drills down to the needs at which translate to the health and wellness of the individuals, not only that are working in their business, but that serve them. And being able to impress upon people that health does not exist in a vacuum. And so being able to get people to see that intersection. Um, so it's not only business, but it's also um, legal aspects. Understanding what it means um, in the, you know, as I said, I'm at Homeland Security right now. And so in a world that is focused on law enforcement, right? It's a mm -hmm. law enforcement agency. How does health intersect even with law enforcement? Um, so business, so law enforcement, um, of course, the education, of course, practice, um, definitely research because I think there's a story to tell, especially as it relates to public health nursing, to understand that um, it's not only us being at the table of implementing, as you know, people have mentioned nurses being the doers, but also at the forefront of developing um, ideas, establishing research that is based on our principles um, and what we see as the priorities. And again, that brings us, again, back to that, that conversation of person. So I think it's you know, identifying your natural partners but also reaching to make sure that some of the, the those that don't necessarily come more naturally um, are seated at the table as well. So I'm just visualizing you with a business leader or mm -hmm. you know one of those unusual suspects, but kind of partnering with them and even helping them look. I'm I'm just thinking of a snow globe metaphor of <laughs> this is this is what I see. This is what my experience is. You know what do you see? Bringing yourself, your own natural. Um, individuality of right. your story, your self-awareness, and um, I want to know how systems thinking concepts have, have helped you in your leadership role um, as an individual leader. Yeah, um, that's actually one of the skill sets that I'm most proud of, is really truly looking at, um, you know, and for me, systems thinking is, you know, what is the nucleus, and then you're kind of building out to look at all those different levels of impact, levels of engagement. And so, again, um, with a, with a person-centered focus, um, as has always been my approach, is understanding that that person exists not only for him or herself, 
but as part of a family, right? That family exists as part of a, of a um, community. That community might exist as part of a neighborhood. And then as you grow these bigger concentric circles, that's the system that you're working within. Once you get all the way out into that kind of outer look, we're really looking at what is the political climate, right? What are the um, overarching layers that impact all the way down to that nucleus? Um, so for me, systems is looking at every facet, um, you know, the biological, bio, psycho, social, cultural, and spiritual is what I lean towards. Oh. Um, and awesome. so systems for me is a reflection of all of that. Um, so not only internally, but externally. As I said, you get to the outer layer, and now you're looking at the organizations, the agencies that actually impact all those different areas of the community or the individual. So to do this work that you've described is, seems um, kind of daunting. Um, so I'm thankful that you have um, that, that's, that skill set, which is critical for um, everybody in public health. But I'm wondering, you know, uh, persuasive communication is another strategic mm -hmm. skill that people talk about is critical. And I'm wondering for you, I, I kind of have some um, guesses of what might be important <laughs> because you really um, demonstrate in your communication some deep respect for for others and you said listening earlier but I'm wondering what what do you see as pieces of persuasive communication that are things that people should be thinking about sure um, confidence um, you know regardless of what you're saying you know I could be saying the alphabet when you say the alphabet with confidence people will listen right if you're not quite sure of the order of the letters the next thing that comes out of your mouth people are not quite sure of as well so I think confidence is definitely a baseline for persuasive communication it's also an understanding and an ability to listen for a shared goal because oftentimes you may not have the same um, same approach in getting there but you can actually find something to agree on and so you speak to the agreement as opposed to speaking to the conflict and so oftentimes at that point you're able to persuade or influence others in their thought process even if it's not to move all the way over to what you're saying but it's at least a willingness to be open to hear it and to consider it because oftentimes you know getting people to consider your perspective makes them at least open to changes because to me I think it's more impactful to be for people to make informed decisions right even if it's not the decision that you would want or you would make yourself but the fact that they were informed on both sides of a conversation and then made a selection as opposed to if you have been closed-minded or not have all the facts and make that decision in a vacuum so I think it's it's the confidence right mm -hmm. um, it's also the the listening and the communication skills that I mentioned to understand what that shared commonality is and then speaking to the agreement as opposed to speaking to the conflict and I think those are those are three prime pieces when it comes to persuasive communication okay those are great and I want to repeat those for myself because I, I want to <laughs> say the alphabet in the mirror tonight <laughs> with a lot of confidence that's right and um, <laughs> And, and the key of, of listening and really it sounds like you're talking about you need to have faith in the communication process versus manipulating a specific outcome yes and and then to think okay what are what are the wins here we've we've covered today as opposed of well we didn't get that done or that done so I really like that more positive proactive kind of perspective right. that that you're pushing out there and um, those things um, can really I think be helpful that you've put it in those three ideas. I'm wondering um, what else have we, in terms of what we've talked about today, um, can you think that might be helpful for future public health professionals or 
um, skills that you think are really important that, that we haven't talked about today? Sure. I think the only thing I haven't touched on um, that's something that's, that's important and near to me is just diversity. Um, within the public health workforce and an understanding in the same way that we talk about um, direct care services and clinical services and having providers that reflect the community that they're serving, it's the same concept even in public health practice. Understanding that um, entering a community, A, it takes invitation, right? Um, B, it takes linkage with those community gatekeepers um, to really have access to the people. And then third, it's an appreciation. Um, it's not a matter of saying that you have to be a member of that community, but it's an appreciation of what they reflect. Um, it's always going to be easier if you have someone from that community mm -hmm. who can then help you um, convey the messaging. So I think um, expanding for us to make sure that we're reaching into the schools, uh, make sure that we're reaching individuals that look like the communities that we serve. Um, with respect to the public health service and disaster management, which mm -hmm. is what a lot of the public health nurses in the core are engaged in, it's really understanding when we talk about the most vulnerable populations and the most vulnerable communities, um, oftentimes they are communities of color, right? Mm -hmm. And so if we want to make sure that our public health nurses and public health practitioners are prepared for disaster management to support the most underserved um, and the most vulnerable populations, we have to make sure that A, we have public health practitioners that look like the communities that we're going to serve, but it's also awareness and recognition that oftentimes those who are most vulnerable before an emergency or disaster are the ones who are going to be at the most at risk even afterwards. So diversity, I think, um, is one theme um, that I think we may not have touched on as much, but is equally important. And thank you for adding that issue of diversity because when I hear you talk, I, I don't think of just when you say what someone looks like from mm -hmm. the community, that they may physically look like you, but they also can look like you in terms of uh, personal experiences, yeah. um, connections, values, Absolutely. culture, spirit, spiritual ideas. So that really you're looking at the individual person and, and who that might be might not be what you're thinking Absolutely. in terms of diversity um, and making those connections more accessible to other people. So um, I kind of just want to keep talking to you about this <laughs> because I think it's really important that we, we think we know what that looks, what that can be and we can check off the box, but we still have the same processes and same yes. policies that don't allow for anything more than that. Correct. So I guess I'm just going to ask you in a confident voice, what do we need to do to kind of push that um, to help people kind of remember what you're saying about um, the importance of bringing diversity to the workforce so we can better address our community needs. Sure. Um, I think it starts with, you know, a respect and a celebration for each and each individual person in your programs, right? So if we're talking about when you say, how do we start? So there's the start that's in the health professions program. So the development and creation of these uh, professionals, right? So even in that vein, it truly is, is not only an appreciation, but an ability for each person to celebrate who they are and their individual uniqueness, right? Once you're out into the workforce, it's the ability to connect with someone on a personal level 
because you don't know anything about a person until you've been able to engage with them on a personal level. Because just as you said, I can look at someone and I can kind of in my mind, based on my past experiences, decide who you are or who mm -hmm. you represent. But it's not until a conversation mm -hmm. with someone that I can actually learn mm -hmm. who you feel you represent because that's actually how you're going to be carrying yourself. So I think um, it, it really boils down to just a celebration of the person and an opportunity for that person to not only claim their expertise in themselves, right, as well as the outward facing, um, providing opportunities for leadership, um, if not creating it yourself, right, but seeking out and securing le leadership opportunities, um, and then also having a seat at the decision-making table. Because everywhere you should expect to see that same layer and level of diversity, um, not just in pockets, right, because again, this is a thread that should be infused across everything and not just kind of in a silo sitting on a corner, you know, that office you call on to increase diversity, right? This should be the thread that's expected. Um, and when I say expected, that also means that there are measures that determine how well you're doing. It's not just kind of um, a nice thing, it's actually a requirement. Sure, and thank you for, for that really bottom line that yeah. we have to also be respectful of. Um, and I. I'm thinking, you know, you're in a leadership position. So when you just talked about developing other people or finding the opportunities for people to, to grow, um, what would you give for advice to someone who's just starting out in public health and, you know, might need some advice and might be more shy to, mm -hmm. to know what kind of opportunities can I take? What do you mean by leadership? I, I just... Um, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to figure out my degree to what you're asking right. me to do. So um, any thoughts about that? Right. Um, you know, I think there's, there's a difference between, you know, leadership and being a leader, right? Because you can, you can show leadership, right? Um, you can have leadership qualities without being the head of the organization, without so being the face of the organization. Leadership is an action. Correct. Correct. And Great. so it's, you know, you, you hear people say lead from where you are, you mm -hmm. know, bloom where you're planted, things like that. Um, and so for someone just starting out, really my, my best advice is to follow your passion, right? Because when you're following your passion and you're working within the areas that are most important to you, it never feels like work. You know, it always feels like fun because these are the things that you enjoy learning about. These are the things that you enjoy making a difference in. And so when you follow that passion and, and let the job title, you know, it'll come. It'll happen. It'll, and if not, design it. But again, if you follow your passion, you'll never go wrong. And so also what I've learned is that following your passion also then places you naturally in opportunities for leadership because it goes back to that conversation of confidence. Right, because when you are confident, people believe in you. Um, when people believe in you, they're more likely to follow you. And how do you get a leader? People deciding to follow someone. So I think it all starts in your passion. Um, it's nice to see people in their established jobs and you know, see someone who's very successful um, and take that title and figure out what do I need to do to be that person? But I think that that um, is sometimes misguided because it may be, there's a different walk that that person has had to get to where they are. And so it's really a look at um, an appreciation for wh what they've done in their path, but to bring it back to center and figure out what about that is what I enjoy? What about that am I gravitating towards? And then create your own path 
that follows kind of your interest and what kind of makes your heart race? <laughs> well, I like the idea of being confident about your passion, yes. within your passion, because that feels, I don't feel like an imposter. I feel like I can be confident about things that I'm curious about, mm -hmm. things that I'm interested about. And um, even if I might not believe in myself fully, um, showing that part of me might allow someone else to see something in me that I, I don't see and create those opportunities that, that you're talking about. Absolutely. And you said, you know, if there's not an opportunity, design it. So I just, I gotta, I gotta ask you one more question about, sure. hey, how do you do that? <laughs> yeah, and I, you know, just to kind of give you a, a little bit about my story, you know, when I started working um, labor and delivery in the hospital and understanding, because I enjoy moms and babies, right? Um, one of the happiest places in the hospital. But what I realized as I'm hearing some of the stories of especially the young women who are coming in, you know, limited to no prenatal care, concerns about being discharged, where am I going to go, how am I going to take care of my baby, are you going to be available to answer questions, that kind of led me to understanding, well, what is in place for moms? You know, what's in place beforehand, what's in place afterwards? Um, so that question drove me to seeking out opportunities. So, you know, I went to work within a state Medicaid managed care organization because I wanted to understand who is in the community. You know, what, what, what are the constraints with insurance? You know, because a lot of the young women were on Medicaid. Um, so worked with um, high-risk OB case management with the Medicaid managed care organization. Um, at that point, you know, in a corporate position, again, you're still trying to understand, wait a minute, there's still rules that, are, that need to be followed who's making these rules and do they understand the needs of the people? That's actually what drove me to federal work because I realized that a lot of the legislation, a lot of the policies, a lot of the um, rules that were put in place were set through the federal government mm -hmm. and the different agencies that are ref reflected there. Um, so that drove me into my work uh, with HRSA. So I think it, it, you know, making a way is really, you know, asking yourself the question and being curious and always Absolutely. being curious and following that curiosity and letting it kind of drive your positions. You know, I can tell the story now and it, it sounds like it was intentional, but it, it, the positions were not intentional. You know, my interest, my desire, my curiosity was intentional. Um, and when you align them right now, it looks like, you know, I had a master plan back then. I had no master plan back then. You know, what I did know for myself is that I wanted to help others and I wanted to figure out what was in the way of them helping themselves. And so that's kind of what drove me to my different positions. And I think that's why um, at no time, you know, when I graduated nursing school did I say I would like to be a captain of the United States Public Health Service. A, I didn't even know that the Corps existed, <laughs> you know. Um, but this is where my journey has taken me. And I, if I had to do it again, um, I'd probably still end up here. Wow, that's wonderful. And certainly, you know, how your life has unfolded in your, your uh, great career, it just kind of shows that, you know, that could be greater than what you may be thinking about yourself or even understanding about the situation. And that um, I just read a book about um, designing your, your life and how it can be really stressful for people. What am I going to be when I grow up? And you're in college. What am I going to be when I grow up? But really, as long as you're moving in the right direction and the your use of the word curiosity and following your passion can kind of keep you moving in the right direction, which right. each of those paths for you have led you to today. So, Absolutely. and I'm really thrilled that it also led you to this time for us <laughs> to be together. So thank you so much for um, your time and your insights and your, your extra um, plug for diversity. Thank you very much. Um, we need to really 
think about these issues to help us move the work of public health forward. So Absolutely. Thank you so much. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you've gained a lot of insights from our interview, and we'll tune in next time for a future leadership session. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you tune in for the next episode of Share Public Health. Special thanks to our guests and to Katie Brandert, Brandon Grimm, Joy Harris, Roger Heilman, Janine Moody, Melissa Richland, Hannah Schultz, and Lori Wachner with the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. Theme music was composed and produced by Dave Hoeing and Roger Heilman. Funding for this webinar is provided by the Health Resources and Services Administration. Please see the podcast notes for an evaluation and transcript.